Okay, so let me find this, um... Yeah, what's the thing you wanted to do? Okay, so... Wizard is heart. Shall we date? I gotta find the page for it. So here's the thing. How did I find it? So I was looking for, um, as you do, I was checking Archive of Your Own to see if anyone had written any Sherlock Holmes Chapter 1 fanfics. Naturally. Um, as you do. And because I had to scroll down to, like, the S section of the video game page and just, like, look for... The, the page. Mm -hmm. I stumbled on a title around the SH section that was "Shall we date? Colon Wizardess Heart." <laughs> and Wizardess. Wizard yeah. For heart. one thing, I read it in my like. I read it. I misread it first as Wizardless Heart, and I was like, "That doesn't make. What does that mean?" <laughs> you thought it was heart, like this is some translation nonsense. <laughs> this heart lacks a wizard-like quality or something. Right. I have played one like this where it's like there's a lot of them that are specifically made for um, mobile apps. And they're kind of microtransaction heavy, where sure. you can like download the game and then like. Can you buy a boyfriend? You can, yeah. You kind <laughs> of pay by route, but also like you can play at a very slow. This one, it looks like you play at a very slow rate. So you can like do a chapter, mm -hmm. and then you have to like wait four hours to like do anything else with that chapter. Oh yeah, I've I've had like games yeah. like that before. And like oh, yeah, they try to right. hook you in. And so it's like you it, can pay to, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. to go quicker but, or But yeah. to pay is like prohibitively expensive. So like if you are some sort of really sad person, um, <laughs> you will shell out so much money to get to the end. How much money are you seeing for it? You know, like you have to either mine coins wisely or like just play casually because if you try to like just play th through it, it will just like eat up your money. Wow. Like the coins are just like too much money. That's what it's made to do, right? Yeah, so it's, I think it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically did sound like some sort of scam. Weeb old maid catcher <laughs> thing. Really trying to get people to get hooked on oh, a boy. story, but I I might have to <laughs> download this game. Tell I us might reach literally all about it. Where I have to don't pay for anything. Though, I'm not gonna pay we'll for come it. back and you'll have spent like two hundred. I have right. better things to do with my time. You'll start texting the thread. Hey guys, can, uh, can I <laughs> somebody spawn the hundo? I need to get five emeralds. <laughs> I quit my job. And I spent thirty five thousand dollars on this game. <laughs> <laughs> I need help. <laughs> Three friends sit down with a drink uh, or two, <laughs> watch a troubled movie, uh, talk about what was good, what was not so good, and how we could all do it better. Yep. I am your host. Wait, I can't introduce myself you first. No, I'm sorry. Yes. I'll go first because I'm a man and you're a woman in this <laughs> <Yeah>. business. <laughs> I am Brendan. Too much plastic surgery, Trishler. And I'm Chris, way too much plastic surgery, Ravel. And I'm your host for this week, Lee, insurmountable plastic surgery, <laughs> Delahanty. And uh, you see, it, it, it worked out because yeah, the men went yeah, first. That's right. Because I, of course. Because you're a woman in this industry. <laughs> be silenced. Yes. Um, and if you could not tell from those nicknames, we have just finished watching 2007's I Could Never Be Your Woman, starring Michelle Fife's, right. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd, John, John Lovitz, Sir Sharonin, Stacey Dash, a bunch you of guys people. Were really Tracy Ullman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of bullets, yeah. Henry Winkler. Um, shows um, up. Who's, who plays the other producer? Um, that, Fred um, Willard. Fred Willard. Yeah, Fred Willard. Susan there. from Coupling. Whoever was around the BBC offices. David Mitchell, Mackenzie Crook. Yeah. That is weird. Steve Pemberton, Olivia Coleman well, shows up. Well, they did up. a lot of filming in the UK, so yeah. it was just like... 
They probably were filming Peep Show next door because you had a Coleman and Mitchell. That's yeah. true. Graham Norton. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, Graham, Graham Norton. Norton. Yeah, a bunch of people. Giving us a real international flair to this movie about one woman's mini gripes yep. with, with the world. Of uh, <laughs> note, directed by Amy Hackerlang. Should throw yes. that out there. Yeah. It's going to become important later yep. on. Who created this? <laughs> we'll come well, back to this. Yes. That will help us later. And you're like whatever we're about to say about this movie, Amy Hackerlang made one of my favorite movies of all time, Clueless. Oh, look, who's talking? Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I love when, when babies talk. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, to get through this movie, we did need a drink or two to get through it. What did we drink this week? Well, we needed two drinks, like you said, to get through this. The first drink was called the Hag. It was one ounce of Galliano, <laughs> one ounce of sweet vermouth, and some Prosecco floated on top. Uh, basically, just kind of a variant on a Negroni. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little bit more fancier with some Prosecco, because, you know, like it's, it's a sophisticated ladies' drink. Yeah, it's a mature, older lady. Right. And then as the counterpart, as the younger man in her life, we made kind of a dumbed-down version of that called the Nerd, which was just one part vodka and one part San Pellegrino blood orange soda. It was actually a little more soda than vodka, which I think is probably all for the best. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of this pairing of drinks? It was really yummy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the shot was like appropriately kind of like sweet. It was good. Yeah. It was definitely yeah. like the shot was the method. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's the amount you want of that. Right, we right, had a whole right. cocktail version. It would have been way too oh, much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We would have been done with it. Yeah. However, um, the hag... I loved it. Oh, yeah. The yeah. hag was a, a great sort of blend of... Right. I mean, like, look, Galliano, Campari, it's like all good stuff, yeah. right? Like, it's all nice, the little, nice little bit orange, sweet, yeah. very now, bitter. of note, so Galliano's, like, got a few different um, products. Um, the one that's the sort of bitter orange thing is, is Galliano Napertif. Oh, I did not know uh, that. The main Galliano is, like, a brighter yellow, mm-hmm. and it's and kind it's like, of... Oh! Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I do know it's that. It's kind okay. of like a star anise. Yes. Um, we used, we I don't used like it. the, the <laughs> yellow Galliano for... Uh, do you remember uh, for Earth Girls Are Easy? Yes, Probably, we yeah. did. Um, it's that was different. A fun it's, it drink can work, but it's not. It's in a more of an aquarium. It's not something that I enjoyed. Yeah, drinking. it's a strong kind of herbal yeah. flavor that's not. It would not have worked in this drink. No, no, As no. It is, so you want the orange Galliano? Right, 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 right. right. L'apertif. The, um, the orange, <laughs> the orange Galliano made it to be just like a like a softer Negroni because normally yeah. Yeah. Negronis like cut you yeah, yeah. with how bitter and they are. I think the Prosecco also helped. I yes. agree. It's yeah. dry, but it's not. It's not. A bit, gin's much more bitter. Do you yeah. think it's because? Despite how bitter the hag may be, it's still a very kind of fizzy movie. Yeah, well, also <laughs> still because, you know, Fife's got that playful side. In the yes, movie. and boy does she. Um, yep. Yeah. Interestingly, like, Galeano does have, like, um, like a vanilla one. It does. That they use in a lot of coffee-based recipes. We should stow that away if we ever see yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Pop that in the old um, green box. Yeah. Also, uh, just to throw this out there, we were kind of doing the math a little bit earlier, and we're pretty sure... That Michelle would be our rating champion of of, of <laughs> White Watch. Yeah. yeah, our queen Michelle Pfeiffer. We have who seen I think her we this have once. Right, I, who yeah. I think we've also taken great lights to be. But she's good at this. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a fact. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, everyone that's been in repeats. Yeah. They're good people. Right. right. They're good actors. Yeah, Again, like we all said, that like Tucci's been in a lot. Tucci, Ewan yeah. McGregor's been in a lot. We're pretty. I'm pretty sure Ewan McGregor and Tucci are, might be tied for second. Yeah. Yes, because I think they're at four and Pfeiffer's at five. We're pretty Remember sure. Remember how much of our discussion with Lady Hawk was just how fucking gorgeous. Michelle Pfeiffer was. I, she, she was. Is. She was. What can you say? And then, like, how evil Rucker Howard <laughs> yes. was. Yeah, how awful exactly. he was. How, how unattractive I mean, Rucker Howard He had a very short shelf life. Let's be honest. Oh, as, like, a... As, a, as, a as like, an attractive lead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he, like, he, he wisely aged into being, like, kind of more of a creep or, like, yeah. you know, like, an old grizzled guy. And he went for it. Like, yeah, and, like, good for him, you know? Know, know your lane. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, it's... 
you know what? Like, was it a little bit, did it feel a little bit more difficult to get to the fife in this, in this movie than others? Sure. But mm-hmm. she, she's still great. It doesn't matter what the movie is. The hypothesis stands. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Since we're uh, already going to go into the movie a little bit, I think probably it's time for me to read the synopsis of Amy Heckerling's I Could Never Be Your Woman. 45, 45, according to this. 45-year-old divorced mother Rosie, Michelle what? Pfeiffer. That's and not true. I don't know. And she never say. walks it yeah. back from saying 40? I don't know. Maybe they said at some point, and I just don't remember it. I'm, I'm going to assume this is canonical. I don't remember there being evidence for it, but I will say... Sure, let's say she's 45. Yeah. Uh, Rosie, Michelle Pfeiffer, is a scriptwriter and producer for a TV show, You Go Girl. <laughs> Insecure about her age, she uses cosmetics to maintain her appearance. Okay. Uh, weird. Very close to her 13-year-old daughter, Izzy, Sir Ronan, they become even closer when Izzy falls for a boy, Dylan, in her class. Despite her ex-husband... Okay, you know what's so weird? They, like, mentioned here, and I did Dylan, Rory Copas. They, like, they named the actor who played Dylan, who is... Someone who has no Wikipedia entry I've never heard of. They do not mention who played her ex-husband. Mm. Despite her ex-husband, John Lovitz, urging that she start dating again, Rosie is single. To Rosie and David, David Mitchell, her British co-writer, co-writer's dismay, her boss Marty, Fred Willard, decides the show can't cover controversial subjects. So Rosie decides to cast a new character for the show. Taken with Adam, Paul Rudd, a bright and charming young man from one of her auditions, she cast him as a new nerdy character to fall for the arrogant and self-centered lead actress's character, Brianna, Stacey. Dash. The new character tests well, so Rosie persuades Marty to give him a chance. Rosie continues to offer Izzy advice on Dylan as she becomes smitten with Adam, who suggests they go clubbing. When he picks her up, he bonds with Izzy immediately through a video game she was playing to impress Dylan. Don't remember that being the logic behind that. I don't either. While out, Rosie lies that she is 36, while Adam says he is 32. She is nervous about their age difference, but when he goes onto the dance floor at the nightclub, she realizes they are equally free-spirited and joins him. Also not how I remember that scene really going, but okay. Kissing in Adam's car, Rosie admits she's actually 40, also contradicted by the beginning, and is startled when Adam confesses he's actually 29. Adam assures her he doesn't care about their age difference at all, and they continue their relationship. Nevertheless, Rosie's insecurity over her age surfaces, egged on by her internal conversations with Mother Nature, Tracy Ullman, and she tells Adam she is not sure their relationship is going to work, to his confusion. Meanwhile, their relationship draws the jealousy of Rosie's secretary, Jeannie, Sarah Alexander. She sabotages them by stealing Adam's gifts to Rosie, and then his phone, putting a sexy photograph of Brianna on it, and then dropping it in Rosie's handbag. Rosie continues to be nervous when she hears a recording of Adam flirting with Brianna. He was told to in order to keep her calm in the center of attention. Things become worse when Izzy has a failed double date with Dylan and becomes insecure about her appearance, something that concerns Rosie. When Adam is first shown on television, he is an instant hit becoming famous. This leads to Rosie becoming even more insecure and worrying he will take advantage of his fame and start looking at younger women. Things get worse when the show is unexpectedly canceled. Shortly after, Adam is giving a role in an upcoming sitcom and she is shocked to discover a speeding ticket sent to Adam showing him in a car with Brianna. Already in a foul mood, Rosie berates Izzy Wynn during a chance encounter with her friend Henry Winkler. He reveals that Izzy and her friend had prank called a number of celebrities in her phone book. Rosie confronts Adam with a photograph of him and Brianna, and he is shocked, having never been in a car with her before. She angrily breaks it off. Despite this, Adam makes numerous attempts to reconcile, including refusing to film the new sitcom he has been offered until she is named co-producer. Meanwhile, Rosie is looking through a bloopers reel of her old show, not quite true, realizing it was filmed at the time that the speeding ticket claimed Adam had been driving the 
Brianna and deduces that genie was behind it. Well, she's watching dailies. The time it was filmed right. was the time that the ticket was in. So oh, yeah, she's same. watching dailies, and there's like the time code at the bottom. Yeah, I see. Uh, as Rosie confronts Jeannie, Marty calls to offer her a job on Adam's sitcom. She hits Jeannie in the face, reducing her to tears. She then reconciles with Adam. Later at a school talent show, she sees Izzy has finally won Dylan over and watches as they kiss. Mother Nature reminds her that in growing older, she is making way for a girl like Izzy to replace her. Well, the end. Does, they, do, does she actually? I guess she does. She does say something to that effect, but it's very like bleak that the synopsis ends with that. Like it almost feels like it's a bittersweet ending. Yeah. In this way, when it in does. the movie, it's not really portrayed as that. Uh, so just to go through real quick, since we've already said it before, Michelle Pfeiffer is Rosie Hansen, Paul Rudd is Adam Pearl, Sir Sharonin is Izzy, Rosie's daughter, Tracy Ullman is Mother Nature, who is sort of narrates this movie. Uh, John Lovitz is Nathan, Rosie's ex-husband. Sarah Alexander is Jeannie, her assistant. Fred Willard is Marty, the executive. Stacey Dash is Brianna, the star of the TV show. Henry Winkler is himself. Yeah. Yeah, Henry Winkler. Yeah. Uh, And that's I Could Never Be Your Woman, a movie that... uh, Exists. <laughs> a movie that so, we should also see, like the backstory of a little. Yeah. Bit. So okay, this this was released two thousand seven, but right. it took many many well not many but like a couple several years, years yeah. yeah to come out. So the main problems were, if I remember correctly, that it was like an independently produced movie. Right. And she went to this guy, this like French guy who has like a weird checkered past, um, who hadn't really done distribution before. Mm-hmm. And like they, they, what was studio was it that they that they initially had some sort of deal with? I thought it was MGM, but I might be wrong. I think it might have been MGM. Okay. And something about the movie they didn't like, and they were not going. They were at some point they were like, we're not gonna release it. Or whatever. It was something weird because like Michelle Fiverr had some agreement. She took a reduced salary in exchange for like a percentage yeah, of gross. That's it. Right, and then MGM was like, okay, so then well, we're, well then we won't release the movie. Yeah, because they didn't like that Fife was gonna get a percentage. percentage. Of, yeah. yeah, that's so bullshit. Yeah, that's so they, sexism. Chris. So they tanked it just so. Well, they didn't like tank it. They just didn't do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. They just reject. Yeah, they said they were going to release it, then they said no, we're not going to release it. Yeah. Um, and it got to a crazy ass point where like they had sort of agreed to do some PR for the movie, but like eventually that period sort of wore off. And at the point, and then like two years later, when finally they were like, okay, we'll just release it to video. Like Amy Heckerling said, like, well, I'm not going to make Michelle Pfeiffer come out and do promotion now. For, like, yeah. Two years later. Right. So. It kind of came out to very little fanfare, um, and this is, it was re- released on video in the same year that Atonement came out. So right, so Saoirse Ronan went from being the precocious tween daughter <laughs> yeah. to Atonement to Atonement, like a just a emotionally devastating drama. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's interesting. It's an interesting path for this movie. Yeah, this movie as a result, a lot of it it felt. It was very of the moment, mm-hmm. and it came out feeling very dated. Yes, it yes. feels even more dated now in most respects. Something also to be said is that for the producer, who you had mentioned, like the French guy, whoever, had said, oh, we should shoot it also in London for tax breaks. Improbably, this movie has a lot of British character <laughs> actors yeah. who pop up in small parts, some of them doing American accents, some of them not. Yeah, the main uh, ones do. Like, Sarah Alexander and Grant Morton are playing American. Right, but what's her fa- uh, what's his face? Um, Mitchell. Mitchell does, does Mitchell, not. Does can, even, Mitchell doesn't do accents. Uh, yeah, apparently yeah. not. And also, I just wanted to say, I don't know if you guys looked at IMDb trivia for this movie, but this has perhaps my favorite piece of IMDb trivia ever that I've ever encountered. Mm -hmm. On August 30th, 2005, while Michelle Pfeiffer was filming in London, a luxury Range Rover worth $90,000 was stolen in Camden Town. What? What? Are they implying that Michelle Pfeiffer stole this car? It's like 
some sort of like PI in, in England like, in Wikipedia articles or, like, like serious are they trying to like establish an alibi for Michelle <laughs> I, it couldn't have been me I was filming I could never be a woman she laughs as she drives off her little <laughs> over on the wrong side of the road yeah so she's got, funny she's photoshopped the dailies now yeah. I want to know who this, I want to know who this person is that is like they learn that and they're like yeah. oh that's good yeah can you you gotta dig into like oh it's not like Wikipedia I guess we no unfortunately there's no citations to be found someone just added it to Wikipedia is it interesting oh yes I said it's very interesting (laughs) oh man alright well I was talking let's I want to crack into the story of this movie a little Mm -hmm. bit because it's bizarre yes We'll, cut, we'll, we'll get into the themes afterwards, but the... So, ostensibly, this is, like, an older woman, younger man romance. Right. On yep. paper, that's... Okay. I just want to say that's all I knew going into it. It was a romantic comedy, ostensibly, between Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah. and it was an age difference. And I also have to imagine that was the logline. Okay. It probably was, but it, it, I think a lot of it... A lot of the logline... Not that you have a lot in the logline. You still want to do, like, a sentence, but, yeah. like... It also would probably focus on the sort of, like... The main sort of prominent theme is like insecurities about women, older mm-hmm. women, like women, the pressures of all that right. puts on women, young and old. Um, and the sort of like main plot plays out with this in the context of the sort of TV show that Michelle Faber is the showrunner, producer for. Do they um, ever actually t- she's say out loud what referred to as a producer, but she definitely plays as a showrunner. Yeah. She's writing scripts. She's right. like creatively head she's, on show. Right. Well, and yeah, she's, she's like, like sitting with the casting director. Yeah. She's going right. to She's like the HBIC for the show, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, it yeah. is her baby. Yeah. Like, she's, you imagine she's head of the writer's room. Like, it seems like she's the showrunner. She's yeah. wearing those business ties. Yeah. And okay, in the context of uh, behind the scenes stuff, like Amy Hackerling had just come off of the Clueless TV show. Right. So like, we I don't know if we ever checked of like how directly she referenced like this is me and my feelings. Right, right, right. This is the, right. This is a one to one of yeah, me doing it clueless. Definitely seems like it could be, but right. the show and the movie is not to us. It looks like a more Disney Channel. It does. Right. It feels like I mean it, it feels. Well, you went on quite a journey with what this show. Could I did. Be. I still don't know what this show is. I mean, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, you were like, is it a UPN? Right. Ethnic sitcom. Right, right. Because because it appears later on we see the poster All that the it's point, like yeah. a predominantly black cast, which like not that it means it's one thing or the other, just that like it's an interesting note to make. Well, and back then it probably would have been a, like, yeah. a UPN. Right. And yeah. It's it interesting been. too because. There's no black people on behind in the set. Right. They're none of the writers. No, no one else is right. black in the show. So the would only... have been an interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. a crew of like middle-aged white people yeah, writing, that's... which <laughs> maybe that's how it happened at the time too. I don't know. I mean, and maybe it did, but I, I, I do not feel as if the movie realizes this. No, I don't think it does either. And again, I don't think like that was something Amy Heckerling was consciously saying, but it's weird that it shows up that way. Anyway, what I was going to say about the show is that the central joke of the show and the movie is, haha, they're thirty-year-olds playing teenagers, yeah. which we. We all know it's like a thing that happens on all these shows. They're high schoolers, to be fair. They're 30-year-old people playing high schoolers. But the way that the the show looks and the way the characters act so broadly, it feels like it's like a Disney Channel level mm-hmm. show. Which yeah. also feels well, also like... the color... Yeah, right, like it's a very set. bright, candy-colored and, set. And like when we say that, it's like, it's truly shocking how bright all of those sets yeah. are. Yeah. And for me, even, it's like a jarring thing because I feel a lot of those shows, while they deal with teenagers, they still tend to have younger casts than like this. If you're, if you're doing... 30-somethings playing 
high schoolers. It's more of like a young adult. Yeah, or like Dawson's like, Creek. Right, Dawson's yeah. Creek or like Riverdale or right. something like that. So like this movie, or this show rather, feels like it's being pitched to kids in terms of that. But the dialogue is also about like people smoking and like shit like that. So it's like, I guess this is pitched to like an older audience too. But like <laughs> I walk away from this having no fucking clue what this show actually is. Sometimes that's fine. You know, you don't really need yeah. to know for this to work. What is the thing that she's writing? It's just that like the various details they drop are also contradicting of each other. Yeah. that I can't help but maybe, sit there and wonder. Maybe one of us, as a research thing, should have watched episode one of the Coolest TV That's show. true. Because the oh, thing that you yeah. cannot say about this, right, mm-hmm. is that the person writing this didn't know what working on that show was like. Right. They did. Right. So, like... What does that teach right. us? Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe was this right. what the coolest maybe show this was? was what maybe. the coolest yeah, show was, was like. a confused blend of like, oh, right. damn, they really shut up. And maybe that's why we've never seen it. It was this bad. It sucked. Just well, so I bizarre. Remember it used to play on Nick at Night. It's not clearly communicated to us in the audience that this show is a ridiculous. Right, that's the thing too. Is this show bad in universe? I don't think that. Yeah, we don't get any indication. Uh, of this. Hard it's... to tell because you do hear. Well, you hear the ratings are going down. Yeah. The ratings are slipping. Right. I feel like the movie also suggests that this is just due to it being a female-led show. Right, what, but I also, the thing is, Michelle Pfeiffer seems to take pride in what she's doing. Yeah, and right. they, there's like, the scene where they're all watching it, and so they, they kind of all are like, oh yeah, we did... Like, oh, like, ah, ha, 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 like, how that, funny this scene that is. That could also easily be like, because I'm sure that you probably hate working on a show like that a lot of the time. Right. It's just this fucking dumb kid show. Right. So you probably are, like... You probably do still feel pride for making it, but are not like you know. Not, we, you don't all like gather together as a group and be like, let's think it, like let's watch <laughs> yeah, it, let's reminisce. Watch yeah. Even if she didn't, oh, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. But even if she didn't have a romantic thing with Paul Rudd's character, mm-hmm. it's clear that she's like inspired by what he's doing on set and like with the character and everything. Yeah, and, right. and I think that's reflected in people's reaction to him being on the show later. I mean, the waitress scene is tough, but she says at one point, like, it's one of the best episodes in months. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Like, I'm sure in her head, she's like, that's because of Paul Rudd. But I'm like, no, that's also because Michelle Pfeiffer felt inspired enough to actually put out something new and better than the others. They establish that the show... It must have been going on for a while, presumably. But I thought they said, like, four seasons. Yeah, the ratings have slumped a little, and then... There was this planned arc, or, like, really it was meant to be, like, an episode arc, I think, of, like, Paul Rudd, the geek, showing up. Yeah. And it being a sort of she's all that type of plot. And they get Paul Rudd to play it, and she's, like, instantly, like, well, this guy has it. Right. Um, as and, a, and he as kind of does. Right. Yeah, to be Paul fair, Rudd. he does have it. And he's bringing the Paul Rudd goods to the game. And so, like, they, it very quickly becomes, like, well, let's give him, like, a longer multi-episode arc. Right. Yeah. And then the show starts to pick up. But, yeah, it's so the, on a grand scale, it is sort of unclear to us, the audience, is this a cool show? Is this right. a lame show? We don't know. We just right. know that it's not doing well, and it picks up when Paul Rudd is on it. So the, the main plot is, show's doing bad. They hire Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is instantly thirsty for her. Yeah. Instantly. It's from the get-go. And she is instantly thirsty for him yes yeah well, she's immediately like grinning she's from ear to ear her lip during yeah. the audition yeah right. like, while he auditions she's like she's not even doing like a she's poker face like you said she's immediately like holy shit this guy yeah. gets and it and then at the moment he wraps his audition she's, she's like, like that was great like, best I've ever seen she yeah. says that's what I meant yeah before, right. when she delivered oh, the lines wild. And, yeah. and obviously like, and they don't say he's got it but he clearly knows like she's, she watches him from the window yeah. like, he's like yeah we're running away like yeah. Um, yeah, yeah but then also like when they take him to wardrobe in that scene later he's like you made me look so good and she goes it wasn't tough it wasn't tough yeah, yeah. and then he's like <laughs> hands all over her because he's like oh let's do you now and he yeah. hands on her shoulders and it is like it is kind of cute and flirtatious but very fast and it, right. it, 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 it's 
sort of robs us of the like the normal tension. Like will they won't right. they? Right. Yeah. Well, they also start, we don't really see what's going on there. Unless I'm misremembering, but don't they like kind of start fucking around on set like really soon? Uh, well, okay. The progress that it, of it is like they're flirting with the the wardrobe thing, right. and then. Like, after their first day on set, he's like, oh, I know that you have to do this. Um, you have to find music for the show. Right. I'm going to see the show for work. Let's go together and yeah. see the band. Yeah. It's like very clearly him making a pass at her. And she's like, okay, sure. And they go to the thing and they start making out in the car afterwards. And like the age gets, the age gap grows between yeah. them because they've both lied they've, about their yeah. age. Yeah. Um, and so then th- at that point, they do start, the next time they're on set together, like, he sneaks off and they sort of and they're like outside yeah right yeah like in between lots that was right. the thing that was driving me nuts I was just like I mean I know this is a heightened world that doesn't really exist but I'm just like everyone would see this happening and then I feel yeah. like this would create such a fiasco where right. like, you're a new you've hired this new hot young guy to be in the show and you were the showrunner and you were caught canoodling him right yeah it's immediately weird that again no one ever says anything to her mm. it, you would think that there would be a scene where Fred Willard's like hey incidentally Scuttlebutt says you've been making out with this guy a lot uh, what's says, all that about he says one thing right when she goes to pitch him because they've already written a bunch of episodes right and she's like I want to rewrite a bunch of episodes and he, he, well he says out. something it's almost like winking like, like boy you sure got it bad for this well, guy it's like girls girls will love him and he says I know one girl. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It's, the movie's just sort of like, it's fine. It's cool. We're all cool with it. I this. was going to say, he doesn't seem yeah. to like find that bad. He actually seems to be like, oh, a producer. Right. Like, getting, well, the, getting the hot well, slice from this talent. Is, what we had, we, I, I, I mean, we'll, we'll save the, the juicy details because we alluded this might be a someone's fix. Yeah. Uh, but what I, we had, what I had talked about during the our watching of this tonight was like, this probably happens all the time. Yeah. When, I mean, it did happen. Whether or not girls wanted it or not, yeah. male showrunners have definitely casting couch women and, yeah. and got them better art in the show and careers maybe advanced that way. Yeah. Um, but you, I, I have to imagine that if it was a woman doing it to younger man, it would not be true the same nope. way. Right. Somebody would be waiting on the wings to put that in the newspaper and get her canceled. Exactly. And you, like, you would think also, like, if the show got canceled, maybe that's why it should get canceled. Maybe because, like, it yeah. becomes a thing or, like, whether or not it's, yeah, like, because fair or consensual, someone above her would have been like, hey, wait a minute. Because as it is, it is sort of inexplicable why the show starts to do really good mm-hmm. because of this guy and then the news comes that the show's getting canceled. Yeah. Right. Um, in the wake, in the midst of this stuff with the show drama, the out-of-show relationship drama is that, number one, and this is where the plot gets really muddled and confusing and sort of spins its wheels, because on her own, without really any outside influence, Pfeiffer gets insecure about her age multiple times. Like, mm-hmm. at least on two separate occasions, she's like, I can't do this because you're too old. Or I'm too I'm old, too old, too old you're too young. young. Um, and, but they don't, like, break up. She's right. just, like... It's, it's like they, they kind of pause and, like, yeah. take a well, breather. It's like she says, like, I can't do this with you. And then Paul Rudd will do cute things. And she'll and, be like, oh, fine. Until they like, make out okay, again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's something I was confused about, though. She has these moments where she's like, I'm too old for you, whatever. I think it feels especially weird because there's not really, like, events or sequences or incidents that, like, play up her age or remind her of her age in a painful well, way with him. There's a, there are... Not with him, but, like, outside. So there's... At the club. At the club. there. Yeah, at the club, there's, like, maybe a little bit of it. But I, well, the, that's not what precipitates the first breakup. No, first it, it one, doesn't. The first one is because, and this is where the other crappy element of the plot shows up, which is that... Uh, G- what's her name? Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Jeannie. Well, what's her character's Rosie. name? Rosie has an assistant named Jeannie, played by Sarah Alexander. And uh, Jeannie is just a mega bitch. Right. I, she, she's like is, the mo- Who is this She's character? the most like cartoonish stereotype of like a shrill, yeah. slutty bimbo she's, who'll sleep yeah. her way to the top and like be awful to and everyone. And she's like ostensibly meant to be a writer's assistant or like a secretary, but she's in the like most 
like inappropriate clothing, yeah. just like incredibly low riding jeans, crop tops all day. So much so that in one of his multiple moments of like, should you cross that line right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul Red throws like a, a jelly, a jelly, bean. A jelly bean or yeah. something. In right, she's, she's she's squatting down to look through a file, yeah. and like her butt crack is hanging out. He picks up a jelly bean, launches it in her butt crack, and is like. Score two points or whatever, yeah, yeah. and she just like doesn't notice she, or doesn't no, she care. Does. No, she does. She notice. does because she okay. says big boys do something. She says some sort of like she kind okay. of she kind of like plays it off. But honestly, that was a moment where I was like, I feel bad for you. Are she you something okay? says like big boys don't play with toys? Okay, yeah, no, and that it's also like yes, I agree. Like because that is like a moment where like. This is Paul Rudd's second day of work. Yeah. Like, the first day on set. And he's, like, shows up, launches a jelly bean into the butt crack of the assistant of the head writer slash yeah. showrunner, and is like, yeah, this is the thing this I'm going to explain thing. out loud. And we know that she's an, a, an asshole. Right. But he doesn't, he doesn't, know, he doesn't know who she is at all. Never Listen, met her just, like, even if she is an asshole, don't do that. I know. Right. It, it is or like just, like, also, do, right. My other thing is, too, is, like, it's, like, if you know she's an asshole and you're kind of being an asshole back to her, you don't, like, scream out, like, right. yeah, in her yeah. butt crack. You're just like you do, you do it, it and then you walk away. Walk yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know. It's I think it was a badly handled moment. But yeah. yeah. And anyways, so th- while this stuff is going on, Jeannie, I guess has like a res- residual resentment. Like there's an implication <laughs> early on that they cut her from a scene. Right. It seems like her entire anger toward Michelle Pfeiffer comes from her being cut from a scene. Yeah. It's really bizarre because we don't get anything else about. Right. Her. Right. Were there even any lines explaining why she was? Is she an actress? I mean, I, I have know. to assume that she wants to be an actress. It's bizarre, though. Because, because they just cut to her in a scene with Stacey Dash. Right. Yeah. But she, it's, if she's a writer's assistant, it would have made way more sense for her to have been an aspiring writer. And you right. still could have had her line be cut because it could be the line that she wrote. Right, yes. Like, her one contribu- her first yeah. contribution to the script. And all of a sudden, they're like, no, that's too risky. Yeah, and you had to cut your name out of the credits. because Right, yeah, exactly. Credit. You're not going to get residuals yeah. off of this. And you're back to, like, picking up my clothes from the dry cleaning. So yeah, so there's... It. But we, oh, that's the only motivation she gets is, like, your scene was cut. Your one scene that was cut. But um, she's also, like, to be fair, she's also kind of a bitch to Stacey yes. Dash, too. Well, yeah, the whole... We meet and her. And the other guy, yeah. Actor, we right. made her making like awful photoshops which are, are awful because they're fat shaming people who are heavier yeah because she's just fat shaming she's putting Stacey Dash's face on like a, a fat woman's woman. body and then, yeah like it's weirdest of all to me I mean that's weird and bad yes but that she prints them out on like photostop and then cuts <laughs> yeah. them out right it cuts them out into shapes and then shows them to Michelle Pfeiffer her boss and is like isn't it hilarious what I just did yeah, she's like look what I did isn't it funny and Michelle Pfeiffer gives it the most cursory of grin like, like huh, huh yeah. and then immediately <laughs> yeah which is just like the actions all around of insane people when, you're, when your assistant shows you that you're like this is what you've been fucking doing for the last half hour you've been photoshopping her face onto a Fat woman's body, yeah. and now you're showing it to me like you expect me to be like good job. You need to do work, right? Never. She like, even when the one time that like she so, delivers things to people like that's yeah, not but all, she's yeah. supposed to like be in the office at one point, and Adam uh, Paul Rudd's supposed to like show up and get it. And she's not at the office. Yeah. He shows up and, and she just has it for him there. But it's like he had to wander around set finding her. Yeah. She's just like such a bizarre, malevolent character from the get-go that it's just like, why was she ever given this yeah. job? And I don't know if... I don't really know if Sarah Alexander doesn't do like a lot of nuance with her accent. But I do find it funny that her accent is sort of this like very stereotypical New Yorker kind of like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> What are you gonna do about it? Maybe that's as far as she could it, get it. It you is know? a sort of comically bitchy evil yeah. thing yeah. she puts on as well. It's, I mean, it's sort of, yeah, yeah. And she gets all up, she uses this Photoshop skill to essentially <laughs> yeah. terrorize. Well, the first Michelle thing she Pfeiffer. does that triggers the first insecurity in Pfeiffer is that she 
sort of engineers Paul Rudd to be next to Stacey Dash right. and leaving the mics on yeah, from the camera. Right. So and she's already she tells, here. Yeah. She's already warmed up Paul Rudd with like you have to like flirt with you have to cast her flirt out. with right. Brianna or whatever or she'll get rid of you or she'll yeah. get rid of you. So he has to go pretend to flirt with Brianna and then she just like ferrets out Michelle Pfeiffer to go listen to like right like listen Paul to Rudd happening. flirting with yeah. Brianna. And then she goes out to, like, interrupt them or whatever. And then the second Brianna leaves, Paul Rudd is like, hey, oh, let's make out. Right, right, right. Which right. is, like, kind of somewhat dispels her insecurity. Right, and he also, I mean, to her, like, especially she also is, like, a very calm, like, oh, yeah, like, eye-rolling mode of, like, yeah. God, her. She just keeps doing these then things. Then she goes to, what was it, Naked Television? Stars.biz or whatever, yeah. I don't Yeah. But that's just more photoshopping. The one thing yeah. she does do that uh, triggers the first, like, major incident is she, at one point, Paul Rudd's phone gets taken instead right. of the fake phone from the set. That was a weird bit of business. And yeah. so she gets, somehow Michelle Pfeiffer gets a hold of the phone. She put, Jeannie puts it in Michelle Pfeiffer's bag. But yeah. Jeannie also took a picture of her monitor of, of Stacey Brianna. Dash. And then left it and, and just then, basically closed the yeah, like, so like the His wallpaper on his little crappy flip phone right. is, is a picture Dash. of Stacey Dash. And yeah. so Michelle Pfeiffer's like, why does he have a picture of Michelle Pfeiffer? Right. And then she shows it to Paul Rudd. She just like gives the phone back to Paul Rudd and Paul, and Paul Rudd's like, like, that's weird. Why is this here? Did oh, yeah. you do this? And she's like, oh, okay. And she's like, great. Fine. No more questions. Yeah. You're not having an affair. I don't mean to be cinema sins about this. Ding. I pointed it out while we were watching it and I just find it really amusing that... Uh, Jeannie gets this photo of Stacey Dash off of what I they heavily show you through like their landing page and everything is supposed to be this like, like Mr. Skin type right of, but like yeah. a leaked photo right right yeah video. or just or just like, one of those things where it's like we screen capped from VHS right. like every nude scene this actor's done yeah. but then we cut to Stacey Dash and it's truly it's a, it's a boudoir photo like, like professionally yeah. take, and she's completely covered right up. she yeah. has a blanket like she's, she's probably naked but she has a blanket over there her. might be like a shoulder yeah and yeah. I I just love, I love, love, love the Michelle Pfeiffer. It's like, well, that's him in bed with someone else. I'm like, it is clearly not. Well, no, it wasn't him in bed. It was him in a car. No, that's oh, later. That's, yeah, that's later. later. No, I know that's later. Yeah, yeah. When that's... her daughter asks about that picture, she's like, oh, that means he's in bed with someone. Oh, does it? I, I, I think it was meant to. Because the, but... the boudoir photo is what goes on his phone. Right. No, I remember that. Yeah. So I think she's assuming, oh, this is in his bed. Okay. Yeah, like the, he... Yeah, he did know. a professional boudoir photo right. of her in his bed. So like, like he never did that with me. <laughs> and it's established that Fiverr's character has plenty of insecurities on her own. Right. They put the sort of like 2D villain of Genie to like, I guess, spur them along. Right. But it sort of would go through these sort of cul-de-sacs where this keeps happening and then it keeps getting resolved and they keep yep. having these like kind of mini friend style breaks. Right. But then they the, get back together. Or they get back yeah. together. But like the, the sort of like act two break moment is this the show plot line sort of combines with this where two of her writers have like abandoned ship because they, they went to the network and got <laughs> offered like a, their own sitcom right. they're going to launch with Paul Rudd, who's taken off from the show. Mm-hmm. So they're going to nick Paul Rudd and they're going to cancel her yeah. show in yeah. favor of this new sitcom, which is called The Shizzle. The Shizzle. Um, <laughs> It's called that. And so that coincides with uh, her getting that, like, fake... So Jeannie makes, like, a fake speeding ticket. Right. She, she It's, like, a not even a real... One, one. of those, like, dead cams. Cam yeah, like, ones, a picture, yeah. like, that's taken but when she, you speed through whatever. It is hand-delivered to Michelle Pfeiffer. To Michelle Pfeiffer. And Michelle Pfeiffer opens it. <laughs> yeah. Which is, because, like, it would be one thing if it was delivered <laughs> to her and Paul Rudd together with Paul Rudd's name on it. He opens right. it with her there, like, and what, she sees it. How did it, it even but get like, to her? Like, whose car? Would it have right. been his car? Yeah. I was very confused. No, because it's Michelle Pfeiffer. 
whoever just like she just like unquestionably accepts this, then her assistant hands it to her too. You yeah. know, like that's your first question right there. Why was this given to me? Is my name on the envelope? Like, yeah. what are you doing handing this off to me? It's bizarre. But yeah, the ticket is of uh, like her. It's Brianna photoshopped with right. It was Paul Rudd in the like car. She's basically like leaning on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah while yeah. he's driving. I guess? So yeah. it's it's meant to be a sort of like a double whammy of betrayal. Where right. like, Paul Rudd is a leaving the show that I'm on because I'm just getting canceled. Right. And he's like in a car with. Uh, right, and it turns out though there were two initial times where I was worried he was sleeping with her, and, and, he, my, and, and he, yeah. he reassured me that he was not. The third time was the charm, and I was eventually like, "Ah, oh, no, he, yeah, he yeah. truly is having an affair." I will say that is one part where the story starts to like great around this point, in fact, yeah. where like he could not emphatically tell her more how much he is not attracted to right. other people. Yeah. Exactly, he's attracted to her. Yeah. It's insane, and like how much he's just immediately making fuck me eyes of her all the time. All the time, and she's like, "But I'm so insecure about this." Right, mm-hmm. and yeah. I get, I get on this point yes it really does and I'm honestly like Michelle Pfeiffer at some point you have to take him at his word or right. you just yeah. like no I mean like it feels like there's a larger <laughs> issue at play here that like you just have like you cannot trust people like right. this is your character flaw I, like I don't think that's what the movie wants no, us I to don't believe either. I think they just want us to believe her insecurity is such that she can't allow herself to believe right. that that's the case but like but it happens like, so many times that I'm just like you know maybe you should break up because like right. I feel like you're never going to yeah, not like, believe this guy right you change in medication or therapy right. or something exactly. it's like it's not working right maybe you should get maybe you should hallucinate a more sex positive version of Mother Nature. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like, yeah, she's yeah. so negative. She is pretty negative, but she's like, you should accept your hag nature and just... Yeah, yeah, your insides just, are rotting. Another lays chips all day. Yeah. Another British woman doing a New York yeah. <laughs> voice. Um, yeah, anyway, this is, like, the rest of the movie is just sort of her moping around at home, but meanwhile, Paul Rudd is, like, refusing to cooperate with the new show people right. unless she comes in and basically runs the show. Was there ever... I can't remember. Was there ever a moment where Michelle Pfeiffer asks Stacey Dash, like, hey, have no, you been hanging never. out with Paul Rudd? Never. And they have a pre-existing, like, relationship. They, yeah, that wouldn't she have works. Been weird. They have a pretty decent working relationship. <laughs> yeah, they do, I guess. But I also feel like, like, she's not that close to her. You yeah, know, also, you probably me. wouldn't ask, if you really thought that he was fucking someone else. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't ask, ask the woman. Person. Yeah, That's yeah. Point. Yeah, that that doesn't bother me. And so or much. she does sort of seem like she's a Jenna Maroney in the making. So maybe that's yeah. not yeah. a conversation you would right, have with right, her. Right, right, truly. Yeah. So yeah, that in the end, does she decide to do the show or something? We, get, we don't we, see that we, she. We don't see I don't it. believe that she yeah. agrees to it. It kind of ends in a place where her agent keeps calling her of like they've upped the offer for you to, right. to do, it. and she's like, I don't want to do it. Right. And like, okay, so we'll go back. Right. And we'll get more money. And she's just like, oh, agents. Yeah. I I guess what we're supposed to believe is like whether she takes the show or doesn't uh, things are looking good for Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. I mean, like, one has to assume she doesn't because when she goes in to see Fred Willard, that's when she gets into the fight with Jeannie and, like, pulls her hair out. Yeah. And, like, one has to imagine that after that, Fred Willard's not going to be like, all right, we'll come back at you with yeah. more money then. Yeah. The Daily's thing is, like, the thing that makes her realize, <laughs> finally. And the, by the whole time she's moping around the house and waiting for this thing to happen, yeah. Paul Rudd is still sending her, like, gifts. Mm-hmm. And, like, right. Trying to right. And back. still, like, fighting for her on set. Yeah, fighting for her on set. <laughs> and, but, but it's the only one she watches the Daily's and finds out that this ticket is not... That she was not in that location at yeah. that time. Yeah. Was I understanding correctly that a bunch of those gifts Jeannie was intercepting and taking for herself? Because yeah. there were a few right. shots there of were things like, of her like, like a gift bag that someone, well, that was, a PA just sharpied Rosie onto Right, it. I mean, that was earlier on. That was like the first breakup scene. Oh, yeah. What? Where she... Wow, it all souped Right, where, where she has like a director's chair full of stuffed animals and like you see Jeannie like putting on body spray or right. a candle or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I kind of wanted to talk about, since we already kind of dealt a little bit with the weirdness of how this relationship is treated, mm-hmm. is that, as I said before, it's strange that no one ever calls her out one way or the other. I get that we've also said that, like, 
this surely happens a lot with men and younger women. Like, I totally get that. But it's weird that at no point does anyone ever say, like, this might be potentially problematic for no us. No one responds at all, really. Right. I mean, even the catfight she has in front of Fred Willard, Fred Willard seems amused by it. It's also weird that this is a power imbalance because Paul Rudd is her employee, mm-hmm. effectively. Mm-hmm. Whether or not, like, she directly oversees him, like, I, I don't know how the dynamics actually work, but nonetheless, she is writing these scripts for him. Mm-hmm. The man she is sleeping with. Yep. And at and no she point... she is like, immediately, like, let's give him more... Right, like, let's give him more to do. I want to write yeah. three new scripts and that focus on his And it's like, she's character. not wrong, because he is a talent. Yeah, and like, it's like, the show never... The movie never makes it seem like either is abusing their influence or power over all. Right. But it's it's something that is not addressed. Right, either. and I mean, like, like, she's right, because he is good on this show, and people are responding to him. But nonetheless, like, it's creepy when it's a boss and an employee. It'd be one thing if this is sort of like... Like a May December, I mean, not even May December. This is like what, like a May September romance or something. Yeah. So I don't know, like May like August. Eleven years, I guess. Yeah. So like, it would be one thing if it was just sort of, oh, we both work in the same place, but I'm not your supervisor. I'm not overseeing you. I have no influence over your career whatsoever. It's much weirder that she is in a place of power over him, mm-hmm. yeah. and that that is a dynamic that the movie doesn't really seem to care about whatsoever. I mean. I guess at the end of the day, it's a relief then that the show they were both working on was, like... It's canceled. Well, it gets canceled, canceled, but then he's yeah. like, please be my boss again. Yeah, right, please bring oh, her yeah, back. True. Please yeah. bring her back to Lord Overview but, uh, but, like, it, it is also, I guess, it's interesting that, like, in the beginning, she is the one sort of kick-jumping, kick-starting his career, or jumping yeah. his career forward, and then he's the one that's that's sort of doing the same thing later because now that he has some clout, yeah. he's like immediately like, no, I want right, it. Right, but she's also like, no, don't want it. Yeah, don't, don't want, want it all. It's weird that he never calls her and says, he does, right? Like there's yeah. a scene where he says like, I want you to do this. And but like, also never addressed, by the way, like he probably wouldn't have taken that show had he known it was like at the expense of her show. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, so, I like, agree. It probably would have should have been more of a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, we don't really see this couple interact. Does, like, it kind of happens off screen, does it? We really yeah. don't. Yeah. We break up so often, we don't get to see them together a lot. Yeah. I want to briefly talk about the sort of like B-plot that's going on with Saoirse, mm-hmm. um, her daughter in this movie. So like there's a through line. There are, They have a lot of scenes together. Roughly it's about her and this boy Dylan that she likes. There are other things it touches on like she's, you know, her, she doesn't do great in school. Right. She's growing up she's and growing she has up, insecurities. Insecurities, yeah. It's definitely the kind of slightly episodic thing. There's the moments with the Barties which kind of has like a thematic relevance, but it's also just sort of funny. There's the moments with the friend. There's the moments of them doing the prank call. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really like go anywhere plot wise, but it's just there to sort of like fill out the life she has with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, but, out the but a lot of like time. the yeah. things you'll check in on with her are like she got, likes this boy Dylan and she's like not sure how to go about it. And then she's kind of being coached by Michelle Pfeiffer, but like how to get this boy Dylan like her. And frankly, Dylan seems like a tool. Yeah, he's yeah. wearing a fucking fedora. Um, he wears a fedora, and he shows up to, like, the cast recording party to take pictures of Stacey Dash's tits. Boobs, yeah, which is yeah. weird. Which is, a little, you know, not uh, cool. You're right. I mean, I get it. he's a child, but still, yeah. like... That is creepy. Um, you know how that looks. And he does seem, like, charmed by her in the end when she does her sort of, like, uh, sophomore... Her shitty... Oh, yeah. Her yeah. take her, on irony. Her shitty 2005, <laughs> yeah. She parody loves... of ironic. Well, and that was one of two covers, right? Because she was singing one about, like... Oops, she was doing women. I Did It Again also yeah, earlier. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it's uh, that's sort of the other the main thing in this movie. That's pretty much all that all that the, the events that happen. Now, yeah. I want to kind of talk about how this movie handles some of these things. So there's themes of you know insecurity about age, right. men and women both, or because you get John Lovitz's character, right? Um, John and Lovitz, you also and have like the young Saoirse plays into this, right? And Fred know. Willard also to an extent comments yeah. on the yeah. thing too. But anyway. yeah, I mean. 
But it's third. <laughs> where to start? It's not great. None of no. it is great. No, no. I mean, this movie. I, I, like the the biggest treatise that this movie seems to have is like this movie really thinks that younger women who have hit puberty are the enemy. Mm-hmm. They're whores or tramps or sluts, and they're all yeah. evil and out to get well, you. Well, the problem. And it, but the thing is, not sure. Sure, sure, sure. the next generation. Right. That's true. But sure, sure. Like just. But sure, Shall we be risque? It just starts getting her period in the beginning of the movie. That's so, like, Saoirse has only just become a woman. Yeah. So However... We still have another year before Michelle Pfeiffer starts to kill her, or, yeah. like, use <laughs> her as the enemy, trying That's to steal like Paul Rudd. That's sort of mantis. <laughs> yeah, she tries to, like, yeah. smother her yeah. child. But I think the main reason for this is that the only two younger female characters we're given are awfully written people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. not... Probably because Amy Heckerling had some resentment about... Who's the third? I mean, she's not much of a character, but the waitress. Oh, okay. I guess. I mean, yeah. you're not really. The waitress is like a prop for one scene, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have like... Stacy Dash. Stacy Dash and, and Jeannie. And yeah. I, you have to imagine that Amy Heckling, who wrote this movie, maybe took out her resentment on Younger Woman, on certain Younger Woman, by writing <laughs> yes. these two characters with little to no depth. The, right. The issue becomes like. And also, they're, they're villainous. They're, yes. they're like, at best, wildly self serving. They're at Dash worst is really malicious. She's kind of like oblivious. She's yeah. not yeah. Like directly villainous. She's right. Just I like mean, like, I, she, she is like self serving. Jeannie is like actively malicious yes. to everyone. Yeah. It's sad because I think Amy Heckling, her aim was at this like patriarchal system and idea, right? But yeah. it just seems like she has so much rage for a younger woman that I feel like more vitriol is taken out on younger women than it really is on men, which I think is shitty because I think even right. Amy Heckerling would tell you it's not really women's fault. Right. And yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think this is Amy Heckerling is for all the other issues you might have with Amy Heckerling better than this. Yes. Yeah. In terms of like, I don't think that her opinions came off very well. I think that maybe more anger than sense was put. Right. I mean, like, th- I guess this would be a completely different story if Fred Willard was the villain, the mm-hmm. not villain yeah. of this, because the only truly villainous character is um, Jeannie. That's who you gotta focus and on. And it's like she's blonde and young and right. hot. And her, she's got her low pants. Right. Yeah. Which also, and again, to be fair, Michelle Pfeiffer wears pretty short skirts. But a lot of, like, she dresses very young and look, she's gorgeous. Yeah. She can wear anything. She looks great in it. But it is one of those things where she's dressing kind of like Avril Lavigne because she's got like the unbuttoned <laughs> well, dress shirt and the tie and a short skirt to go along with it. And it's a little bit, again, it feels like on the one hand, you're shaming Jeannie for look at like how scantily she's dressed. And then on the other hand, Michelle Pfeiffer is also wearing like a very short skirt, but she's good. This is the way you're supposed right. to dress. Well, it's like, and she's wearing clothing that's like not dissimilar from what Amy Heckerling likes to wear. Right, that's also like, true. It looks, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer looks to have shopped in Amy Heckerling's closet I, for this role. I will, I guess, I just, I, I think, I, I agree with you. It's, I think that's what makes it a bummer in that Amy Heckerling is better than this. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like instead of like addressing the problem, you're like attacking the yeah. the person next to you, which is so nuts. There are, and there like, are like <laughs> I don't want to bite into my fix early, but like there are there are issues around this topic that are like I in my mind would have been the the, the the middle lane like this is how you would do it, which is what you could have easily done is that this is an interest of the pitch women against each other, whereas mm-hmm. it's really not about like it's because the men are right are, exactly are like where you think them. that like yeah. she comes to the realization at the end of the movie, Jeannie's not the enemy here. Jeannie is I been, would have loved she, that. Right, Jeannie's been put into the same horrible situation that I've been put into, and yeah. she's just lashing out because of that. Yeah, but but instead, it's pretty universally like, yeah, these... Genie is pretty bad. Fred Willard is also bad. He's right, but Fred, are, Fred Willard is, like, goofy bad, to be goofy, fair. Yeah, and it, it, it is sort of like, well, you know, he, it's it's kind of a wonder how he got to this position because he seems like an utter... Like, so, like, right, and again, this is, like, this movie has a lot of really lame, still unfunny Hollywood humor about it. Heavy. Yeah. Right, it's, it's, like, super dated as fuck. Like, it must have been... It was dated when it came out because it came out a year or two after it was supposed to have come out. It's super fucking dated now. We just have all this shit where they're always like, oh, reality TV, a TV show where people get 
get facelifts. Isn't that very funny? Mm-hmm. And they make that whole comment yeah. about how it's so much cheaper than scripted television. Right. John Lovitz says, I'm writing for a reality show. And Michelle Pfeiffer is like, how do you write for a reality show? Yeah. Just like, we all know how this fucking works, yes. Michelle Pfeiffer. I also feel that just a lot of the satire, I, it's like, I like the idea of what you're going for, Amy Heckerling, but it's so, un, it's like so subtle and it's so anvil heavy. Like, I like the idea of showing that men in these positions of power or just in general society kind of infantilizes them and I'm thinking that's interesting Amy Hackerling but we don't do much with it yeah. and I guess it's it's supposed to exist in comparison to the women and actually wouldn't that have been interesting to see how men and women are infantilized in different ways in this situation I feel like there's so much missed opportunity in here I will say that the one area that I think it does pretty well are the scenes with Sersha yes, and, I agree. and talking about like what it's like for a girl to grow up in this kind yes. of time in yeah. this kind of world they're not like the best, but like the scene where she's like trying on jeans and like this one is makes me look like a cow. Right, like this one doesn't fit. I'm so fat. So it's just like, yeah. I honestly think that like that's a scene that I feel should have been more devastating to Michelle Pfeiffer's character. You know, like yeah. the, to hear a child come to you and be like, "I'm so fat. I'm a cow. You're so thin and gorgeous." Like that should like destroy you kind of as a mother to hear that like your child, like yeah. this small child, yeah, is yeah. already starting to deal with these insecurities. It's, that should be something that sort of speaks to how you resolve any kind of conflict with your daughter how yeah. the movie wraps up. But really, up. like, that scene just ends. And yeah, no, it just it kind of ends and then, like, it's back to them having their same old relationship. Wouldn't it also be interesting if Michelle Pfeiffer reflected on how her role in creating this TV show right. may have shaped... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. This and also, right, and you see a lot of her... Lo- I mean, I guess... spraying you- abs on Stacey Dash. Right. And the guy. Yeah. yeah. And they talk also, I guess, a little bit about how, like, Michelle Pfeiffer's dieting. She's constantly working out. And that's also one of those things where it's like, if your daughter sees this is... Your, like, you're so obsessed with body image at a young age, that's going to speak to her as mm-hmm. to, like, oh, I also have to be constantly worried about like not eating too many cookies or something like yeah. that. Like you said, yeah, this could speak how we like perpetrate these cycles endlessly. How do the narratives we tell in our media perpetuate these body images? Right, yeah. And I mean, she's in a unique position to consider this being a fucking showrunner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love, I like Serge's character a lot. My only drawback with her is those songs exemplify this whole like I liberal, I, I smug. Don't, well, yeah, and I'm also just like 2005 level feminism. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that the final one, it's really, that one's sort of a broad, like it's like climate change and Bush is yeah, bad. Yeah, also Bush right. is bad, also actresses also, doesn't but also, yes. But also Michael Jackson and Molestation. Yeah. Yeah, that was all, like that on a grander scale, that's still a bad song. <laughs> yeah. like, like, making light of that in a song at a high school talent show is uh, sketch as hell. Yeah. yeah. I don't know think it's high school. I think they're like... They're middle, like middle schools Yeah, or they're like yeah. middle schoolers, yeah. Which, by the way, even though it's not a good song, I think far too elevated for a middle schooler to have written that. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. actually kind of clever. When I was in middle school, I don't think I knew who the president was. Yeah, I'm sure I, I did, but I don't think I would have written a satirical song about like his <laughs> actions and how they're yeah. affecting well, the world. One thing I think it was Clinton as well. It was. So yeah. I, I so we, had, we, we, we just put about Mark Lewinsky. I vaguely had heard about Mark Lewinsky. Yeah. And then just been like, uh, so how about that blue dress thing that people keep talking about? What's that yeah. mean? To be fair, like this is 100% like not a real child. This is yes. Amy Hecker laying a almost middle-aged woman putting words and thoughts into yeah, the yeah. mouth of a child. They're kind of cute scenes all the time. They, they... I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think if it had just been sort of her singing a song, maybe yes. even a song that she somehow wrote, yeah. like, or I'd be like... Or just singing ironic. Right. Or like any of that would be like, fine. You know, and, like, you'd still be very proud of your daughter yeah. for getting Which, up there on stage. Right. By the way, singing a song by... by Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette would yeah. have also been like a, a, what a hip 
T- school That's would have done. Like, yeah. you don't really need to make that feminist. I yeah. bet you anything, though, that Amy Heckerling's like, okay, but Alanis is okay. Alanis yeah. is acceptable. Well, I guess, but, but also, like, rewrote it all to be, like, right. more of a more party. But, like, right. you could have just given her, like, any Tori Amos or... Right, like, like any, any like, pro-girl. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, like, any of those sort of, like, you know, or who was that? Annie DeFranco? Yeah, yeah, like, any, any like, feminist musician of the time period. Yeah, yeah. I would have even taken the Indigo Girls. Yeah, that would have been age appropriate for uh, for five. Well, is there anything else to say about about the sort of way that this woman treats Hollywood woman? Um, what other issues it tries to address? I think that's kind of it. I got the feeling I would agree if I, with Amy Hackerling if we had a conversation about this, but I feel like I just came away with the impression that she's maybe a generation removed from the frame I operate in. Yeah, and it's not to say that I'm like I'm so enlightened or anything, but I just mean. We have parts the of this of felt a bit, well. huh? We have the benefit of time. We do. Yeah. We very much do. But there were parts of this that felt a little okay boomer to me, where I was yeah, just yeah. like, mm. yeah. Well, I, I think my take, my final take on it, and I'll bring all the ego off. But my final take is that I do think that the the anger and bitterness slipped into this and ruined the messaging along the way. Yes, I yeah. mean, I think the anger and bitterness is warranted, but I yeah. don't think it was channeled into something no. that was. Good. Productive or <laughs> yeah. interesting, no. yeah. I mean, or accessible, right? Maybe. I mean, like, I this movie just feels like Amy Heckerling had twenty targets on a notepad and was like, and I'm writing a screenplay that's going to be me firing off upon all of them. So, like, right. you've got Hollywood, you've got feminism, you've got aging, you've got men, you've got younger women, mm-hmm. you've got the, the scene where she goes to meet Wallace Shawn, the teacher, and she's like railing at both times about the testing. idea, about the right, school, about standardized testing, and, that, and then judging women too harshly, right, about judging women too harshly, and about standardized testing, and about how if you don't show your work they'll tell you you got the answer wrong because you have to show your work and just yeah. sort of feels like, such a like this was a conversation she had with like her oh, daughter's teacher, teacher like <laughs> that lasted hours and she's like I'm gonna distill it down to a minute and I'm gonna rail off on all those points all at wow. once yeah. she just needed to pick a lane for this movie or <laughs> yeah. like three lanes even right. if she had just picked a few of them the, the satire thing the Hollywood satire like I said it's incredibly lame brained I don't like any of it I think it informs how weird I find the show that she's working on. Like, I can't help but focus on the show because it's it's so so ineptly, bizarrely handled. We don't know Michelle Pfeiffer's thoughts on the show. She seems to be proud of the show, but the show also seems incredibly dumb because it seems like a Saved by the Bell level like show where, like, Paul Rudd, like, at one point, like, has a stick and he's, like, swinging around going, like, whoa! And everyone's, like, ducking to, like, not hit him. When he first shows up, they've, like, gelled his bangs down. Right, he's wearing, like, glasses and, like, a a tucked in shirt. And he's eating a caramel apple. That yeah. was so bizarre. Yeah. But you know, that's true, actually. Does Michelle Pfeiffer ever get a line where she talks about how she feels about this show? No. No. But I mean, I, she, she must seems like it. Right. She's doing it for four years. Right. Like, right. she seems proud of what she's doing. She invites people over to watch but it. But it just, it is strange that the show seems so dumb. And there's, but then there's no, but I don't hear from her what's see valuable about yeah. it. One completed, we don't, we see like 10 seconds of the show at a time. We need to see like one completed scene to mm-hmm. understand <laughs> what the show, what, what is the show, yeah. 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 Because we've seen what some kind making? of like beach party happening. Right, right. A lot of scenes in school. There's like scenes a lot of There was like yeah. a scene of them on a car and making oh, yeah. out. Right. It's just a, a bunch of bizarre things happening there. Um, um, real quick, uh, if we're done with like issues, I wanted to just... Yeah. Real rattle off the the performances. Yes, sure, sure, sure. Uh, let's start with the leading people. Michelle Pfeiffer, great. Fab. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I mean, again, like, the character's bad. The character's inconsistent. Yeah. I don't get enough of the character. Michelle Pfeiffer's wonderful. I, she, I think, 
finds whatever consistency could possibly be found in this character. Michelle mm-hmm. Pfeiffer found it. Yeah, I mean, she does um, the path. She brings the path as yeah, well. Yeah, And I think she found chemistry with literally everyone. Oh, I yeah. agree, yeah. She has great chemistry with Sorcha, amazing chemistry with Rod. Yeah. 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 I mean, the one thing I don't get is her and Lovitz. Like, how do, how are these two people oh, ever I married? Just, uh, I Again, mean, she must, Amy Heckerling must have hated her ex. Yeah, yeah. So much. It's just, it's just like <laughs> a huge fuck you to her ex-husband to be yeah. like, I'm Michelle Pfeiffer and your job Lovitz. Yeah. Well, and like, it's, yeah, it's flattering for everyone in that situation. Yes. Yeah. Paul Rudd also. Super charming. Really? I love the dance scene Universal. that he does. Oh my God. So fucking funny. And it keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of, there's a lot of good business in this movie. Yeah. There's he, a bit, the bits where we don't like Mother Nature as a character, no. as a, as a concept in this movie, but yeah. the fact that she's always showing up like, like snacking. Eating food. Yeah. yeah like good, like Michelle just, Pfeiffer is running laps around a track and Michelle, yeah. or um, Tracy Ullman's Mother Nature's next to her holding a bag of potato chips, yeah, like eating jogging, and jogging with Eating her. out of an open bag of lace. And like later on in the school, just with like a, a, a paper pl- plate, a of, like, plate of like meat and cheese or something. Yeah. yeah. I just, I loved imagining she just picked that off of craft services and went on over. Yeah. yeah. It's something I noticed actually just about about how they treat Tracy Ullman's character. I'll make it very quick. Sure. She gets two mm, fairly big speeches up at the top. And then that gets whittled down pretty quickly, almost as if the movie just gets tired of having her around. It's kind of to the point where I think in her last few appearances, she doesn't have lines. Well, the movie, like, starts... Mm, She has lines. The movie starts with her, and then she'll sort of show up for, like, snippets of a a time. Like, she's there as a sort of silent observer in a lot of scenes. Like, Mm -hmm. she just appears... She's holding a boom in one scene. Yeah, yeah. she appears next to them when Paul Rudd first asks her out. Right. And she, like, asks her age or whatever, and she's silent aside from this, but she's like, oh, I'm... I'm 37 or something, yeah. and Tracy Ullman just, like, spits out the drink that she's right. drinking because it's like, oh, my God, you cow. Speaking of spit takes, a truly delightful moment is Stacey Dash. Or, no, it wasn't Stacey Dash. Paul Rudd does this. Jeannie goes yeah. up to him. Saying, yeah. And she's like, Stacey Dash doesn't like you. She thinks your acting is too broad. broad. And yeah. he does this enormous spit take. Yeah. <laughs> she said, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would just say, I guess we should cover Tracy Ullman just now real quick. Um... It's trend. This, this character is tremendously bizarre. I don't understand why she's in the movie. When, uh, it doesn't belong. Like then. it's a framing device, but it's not a framing device. So I don't quite get why she shows up at all. Lee, you had sort of made more sense if she was just a friend. Mm-hmm. Like that'd be fine, perfectly fine. Michelle Pfeiffer's friend. Like I don't, think. Don't correct me. I because I, I know. Wanted, I, I know what you originally. Said. I said it should have been her mom, and you're like they're the same age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, could have fooled me. Yeah, you're just as sexist as Fred Willard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just as. Yes. So um, I, I yeah, I, I do think the character is is such a bizarre inclusion in this movie like the idea that she kind of has internal monologues and that it comes off right off the bat with this character sort of like lecturing you through the screen being like men used to be men and fighting in wars and women used to be women staying at home and having babies and then men stopped fighting in wars yeah. and women were like what about my job I don't want to have a baby I want to go to work like what happened to society you just sort of like Okay. Adam, we live in a society. <laughs> um, yeah, she Malady? should be in this movie. Yeah, no, she should, she should not. I mean, it, or it, she should be a, a, a real life character yeah, yeah. who is a friend, not Mother yeah. Nature, even Michelle if, Pfeiffer's if imaginary friend. She's a real life friend. character. She shouldn't be ranting about women not wanting jobs. Yes, I agree. Even if she did, you could you could find more of a context for yeah. that. Or like it could yeah. be funny, you know, like if it was right. like a funny rant, yeah. then it's sure. Because then people can re- respond to her. Yeah. In your movie about like uh, women gender and the gender roles that 
they are assigned. It's such a weird flex to start with, like, a mother nature being like, well, well you just be having babies? And yeah. she's also, like, she is that regressive and negative throughout the film to the point of, like, why are you here? Yeah. She doesn't give any advice that Michelle Pfeiffer takes, ever. To me, she reads, like, a vestige of an older version of the screenplay, and yeah. that yeah, just maybe got stripped out. She's constantly there to sort of be like, um, accept your hag. Right, right. Your inner hag. Which, by the way... Reject modernity, accept your hag. Reject modernity, return to the hag. Hag. Yeah. (laughs) Which is just going to be our new motto for this podcast. Yeah, that's the shirt for this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, so uh, Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan. Great. Very good. Great. Yeah. I, yeah I, uh, does a very good American accent. She could teach Susan Alexander would have been yeah. Would have been a great uh, debut for her. Yeah. yeah. Would have been really interesting to Tell see her start also in this. Also a great movie. Yeah. yeah, also worked out pretty well for her. Yeah, it would have been like, really interesting if we had actually gotten like our introduction to Ronan in this movie and then two years later we get Atonement. That would have been yeah. like, wow, this lady has... This kid's got range. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I, we've already gone over it, but I love her scenes with Pfeiffer. I love yeah. them together as mother-daughter. Right, I like the, them playing Barbies together. It's, it's yeah. wonderful. They have, like, really elaborate storylines that they're doing with each other. The, the, I don't, whatever amount of subversion they attached in those Barbie scenes was exactly the right amount. Do you yeah. know what I mean? With, yeah. like, the, when she, like, when Saoirse Ronan strips down all the Barbies and puts them in a pile. Right. And then it looked like a mass grave. I was like, that is just... Just prickly enough. Yeah. Who else is there? There, I mean, I mean, descending like, d- sliding like scale Dash of like Stacy Dash. Stacy Dash does a broad role well. Right. It's like, an easy right. thing to do. Yeah, I do she's wish she's fine in it, but there's maybe, nothing there. I yeah. do wish she could be a little more human. Yeah, I, I mean, not, that, but the writing wasn't right, there for that. Right. Not her fault. Um, she's not. You know, I wouldn't put it on her. No, not at all. Like if it was yeah. Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer would have maybe found some some of humanity. I think she actually kind of found some like proto. Jenna Maroney moments I really enjoy it and yeah I mean I think she played it up well and if it was like a sitcom character it would have been more like okay this is something I can roll right. with a sitcom I'm trying to think of any I mean Jeannie again Sarah awful, Alexander awful terrible like had not, to play this not the actor's fault but like I think that she at least had fun with it yeah right? I'm sure she did yeah but it, it but a horrendous was not character. given anything yeah. to do anything interesting yeah um, love it's just doing Lovitz just yeah. doing his love it's stick Willard just doing just Willard, doing Willard. Yeah. 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 maybe a, a more Kind of creepy or uh, not creepy necessarily, but now creepy. No, he does that sometimes. Yeah, sometimes he's nice, sometimes he's creepy. Yeah, he does um, both. Yeah, he does both. Bumbling, creepy, bumbling, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Graham Norton is fine. Graham Norton is interesting, yeah. yeah. He, you know, also, you know, not have bad American accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah pretty Could have been, we discussed, like, if you didn't have Mother Nature, he could have been a good stand in for the friend. It could have either been, like, Tracy Ullman as the friend or Graham Norton as the friend. Like, yeah. one of them could have, anytime that character yeah. shows up, could have been that person. He serves as, like, a nice sort of foil and confidence. Yeah. I mean, the casting director who's played by that other British actor. David Mitchell. David Mitchell. Yes. I don't even know if he's the casting I don't know who he they is. They say he's, he's like a writer. writer. A writer? Cool. He yeah. Does, yeah, he's in the writer's room later. Yeah. He, David Mitchell is not the casting director. Yeah. I think it's worth talking real quick about the real life um, Yeah, we can story. just get it out there. It'll be the last thing we talk about before we go into fixes. Yeah, yeah. so... We, we have discussed in detail what this movie is about. It's about a woman who meets an attractive younger man whom she's really into. This man is below her in terms of a power structure, but it's a consensual relationship and, you know, everything works out great for them. In real life, there is a situation that happened, obviously, where... Amy Heckerling was working on the Clueless TV show at the same time she was also working on the Night at the Roxbury movie for uh, Lauren Michaels that would have starred, well, did star, Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan. And at the time, Chris Kattan alleges in his 
uh, autobiography or a memoir, I don't remember, that uh, Amy Heckerling aggressively pursued him. Pursued him. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to quite say and then it. And to me say like Lauren Michaels was well, basically y- like... Yes, I was going to say that. Basically, she was like aggressively coming onto him or sexually harassing him, however you feel like looking at this. Apparently, Chris Kattan talked to Lauren Michaels, who obviously was involved in this because he's involved in everything SNL ever does. <laughs> and Lauren Michaels basically like, look, if she wants to fuck you, you got to let her fuck you because I'm not going to lose Amy Heckerling working on this movie. And then according to Chris Kattan, they later did have sex. Chris Kattan says it was consensual sex. But it is one of those things where it seems very uncomfortable that this Dubious. movie seems to be yeah. so directly influenced by something that happened in real life that when viewed through uh, the lens of the man, it was not this sort of like sweet, right? Like, like, Oh, there's an age difference. Like this is the yeah. this is like the the crux of the problem here. Versus this is a woman in a position of power who wanted to get with a younger man who was told to like, well, then you better get with her if that's what she wants. Yeah, and he it, it all came out in his autobiography mm-hmm. um, or memoir or whatever you want to yeah. call it. And then Amy Heckerling was like, "That's bullshit." Well, I, I, I my understanding is that Heckerling didn't deny it so much as she was just like Chris Kattan. He's fucking ridiculous. I don't yeah. think it's that she said she like she said something like he's doing it for attention. Yeah, yeah. Like Which she is said such a fast. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's tremendously uncomfortable knowing that watching this movie in retrospect, viewing it through that lens especially, is all I have to say. Especially yeah. through this movie's lens, it could not be better. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, if, it's if, if only, very much the opposite in the movie. Right. Right. This is a movie that has no focus or attention on any of those aspects of the relationship. There's, again, no discussion of, I mean, like, we were talking power about struggles, imbalances. Being absent and yeah. It, we, that eliminates maybe why. Yeah. So anyways, uh, you know, I, I'm not go- I'm not coming here to r- rip it apart or re-examine it because I don't know what truly happened. That's I can just tell you what happened. But yes, I think it's yeah. important context to know when viewing this movie and how it made this movie. This was already a movie that when I watched, I was like, this is not the movie I thought it was going to be as I was watching it. And then when I found that out, I was like, this makes the movie even grosser to me. Does it fit in the timeline that way? Like this came after Night of the Yes, yes okay. this did. This, yeah. this seems, and again, as I also said, the age difference as written in the script is the same as the age a difference between Catan and Hackerling. Yikes. It just feels like there's a lot of that in this script. Oh, that is uncomfortable. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I've got nothing more to say on that. I just think it's something important to be aware of. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Should we talk about fixes? Yeah, let's talk about fixes. Uh, someone go first. All right. I'm not looking at you. I'll go, go, I'll go first. So here's the thing. <laughs> The thing, like I said with this movie, is that I wish Amy Heckerling fucking picked a lane, is that there's so many options going on here. You have so many options to fix this movie because you could focus on any number of these things. Like, one of the things I said when I was watching this with you guys is the idea that maybe there should be more of a focus on the show that they're writing so that we get a better feel for the show. And maybe the show should be something that Michelle Pfeiffer is writing that's pitched more toward older women, so it's kind of focused more on that aging aspect. Maybe the scenes with her and Saoirse Ronan playing Barbies or her character, like, working out plot beats with her daughter. Like, that's cute. That's one thing you could do. That's not really my whole concept. That's just me saying that, like, you got a lot of options with this movie. I guess what I kind of narrowed in on eventually is the idea that, like, this should really just be a movie about aging and your relationship with like growing older and younger and older people so what I think it should be is I think it can still take place in LA I don't think it should be a story about Hollywood or deal with any of that inside baseball that Amy Heckerling seems to find so amusing because like I think one as I said I think it dates the script immensely and two I just think it's not nearly as funny as she thinks it is I also think it kind of narrows the perspective of the movie not that you can't view this as as like a metaphor for any office or corporation that you might belong to I just think it, it feels a 
little too like cutesy inside baseball for me. Mm-hmm. So what I think it should just sort of be is it's about this Michelle Pfeiffer character who gets in a relationship with a younger man who is not her employee. <laughs> and it's just sort of deals with the concept of aging and youth in Los Angeles. I, I still want to keep it in Los Angeles because I think that that's a very interesting setting for this because LA has such like a focus on perpetual youth. Mm-hmm. And so I think you could kind of do a lot with that and you can kind of deal with some of the issues that I had found kind of interesting, like Sir Ronan talking about body image as a child. I think you should also perhaps, instead of dealing with um, Mother Nature as a character, Lee, you had sort of suggested initially, as I tried to cover for you, that it be her mother. <laughs> yeah. So it probably wouldn't be Tracy Ullman playing this part. Yeah. But I think also the idea of having like an, an older, older woman. Yeah, right. That's an why old... I said mother. Anyway, yeah, yeah, right. No, and I think it matters for the story and the focus that I want to tell is that there is an older woman involved. And I think the entire relationship with her and Rudd would have nothing to do with all of these external forces of like, oh, is my bitchy assistant trying to sabotage my relationship? It would just be, what is it like for me to date a younger man? You know, and then I think you can also kind of play up the interesting bond that you kind of see in this movie with Paul Rudd and Sir Ronan, where it's like Paul Rudd really connects with Sir Ronan, maybe just because like they're closer in age. And so like you get that scene of him playing video games with her. And so you kind of like focus on the cute little family unit that they end up making with each other. And so like, that's what I want. That's what I thought this movie was going to be. And that's what I want this movie to be. Okay. Awesome. I would watch that. That sounds great. So I I don't have a fix for the part in the mix thing. I guess I could have, but I, I I went for like a minimalist approach and a sort of surgical approach to this. I'm like, mm-hmm. what would I fix with keeping most of it as is? I think I've talked about it uh, in the podcast and outside of the podcast that I don't I don't understand the genie character and why she is unnecessarily written to be the way she is when there's such an, a more obvious fit for her as like. It sucks to be your assistant. If you're like, if you're trying to make it in the industry, you have to do like the most thankless, twelve-hour-a-day mm-hmm. jobs. Right. You work weekends. You are Media at the bullshit. beck and call of these real people. Right. So like, you have this perfectly positioned person to feel like they're ju- they've like went through school to do this, or they you know they sold all their shit to come out to LA and, and make this career, and they've been trying for years, and like they're just like hanging on to these people and hoping that someday they'll get a boost they'll yeah. get a boost up to the writer's room like somebody will leave and they'll get promoted yeah. and it might never happen and, and even like to get to that position you've already like probably worked many many waitressing and yeah. server gigs it's awful um, so I wanted to focus on uh, the relationship between Jeannie and Rosie a lot and I think that like there is a romance I, I didn't really think about fixing it so I guess it would still be like this new character that's in the show um but you have this plot of these two writers who plot to do the sitcom. It should just be Genie plotting to this new sitcom. Mm-hmm. And, it should, and the, there, if there is, like, a love triangle angle or a jealousy angle, it should be with Genie. And I think that Genie and Rosie should have, like, a very sort of close but complicated friendship where, uh, you know, Genie came into this maybe idolizing Rosie as, like, a role model. Um, but it's, it's taking a while to get mm-hmm. to that point, And it's, like... Maybe Rosie could have fought more for her on occasion. And mm-hmm. there's like some bitterness built up of like, you know, the executives have to step in and cut some of this stuff out. Um, and at the end of the day, like Rosie still is like Jeannie's boss, um, even if there was a lot of like good feelings in the beginning of that relationship. Um, and I think where I want to, I want to kind of keep that plot line going. Uh, I, I don't, she's not going to do any of this petty photoshopping shit. She doesn't <laughs> need to be doing that. What she cares more about is, like, her career and making it. And she sees an opportunity for that with Paul Rudd. And I think that they, like, they would also have, like, a, a more, you know, not a, more of, like, a friendly dynamic where they have some more senses of humor. Um, and they, both of them, both of the women really like this, you know, what this guy can, like, bring to the table acting-wise. Um, and maybe Jeannie starts to do more of that with, like, she starts to develop this, like, other show. Mm-hmm. 
um, and have that be the thing that gets the show canceled because she's like, well, I want to do this show with him mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and there is this misunderstanding that like it's it's going to like supplant um, Rosie's show. Um, and I think it would end where they like. I kind of thought I had this idea while we were talking about the, through the podcast. This is like a, a change in my fix that has happened since then. But I like with the daughter stuff and the stuff that we were talking about of like um, how the, doesn't really talk about how the media that we make uh, perpetuates this these cycles of body image. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like the idea that as the show as the movie goes on and we have these scenes with Rosie and her daughter um, that she does start to be like, man, I. I'm doing all of this because this is what the execs want out of the show, but, mm-hmm. like, it's really a bummer, and, like, I don't want to have to do that anymore. Mm. Um, and that maybe she starts to, like, envision a new female character who is, like, modeled after her daughter and, like, is a kind of, like, punk, yeah. like, tomboyish kind of girl. Sings a lot of Morissette parodies. <laughs> <Just> sings <laughs> crappy old Hannes Morissette parody. Just burning does, George Bush to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> does um, witchcraft with uh, canola oil. That was funny. And eats cocoa crisps. Yeah, and then just text break with cocoa She says love oil and... Yeah, oh, we just use canola. we just use canola oil, <laughs> um, but yeah, and so that she's maybe starting to like she's not doing anything with the app, but she's thinking about it. Um, she's not sure how it would fit into the show, and she's like, "Oh, they're not gonna let me do it anyway." Mm. Um, and I think it would end with like you know the TV executive is still this like villainous antagonistic force of like again this idea this is that I want to talk about of like it's it's pitting these two women against each other because it's like only one of you can succeed or whatever. But I kind of wanted to end where they sort of reconcile and. They co-create this new show together with like a, a character that Jeannie invented for Paul Rudd and a female character that um, Rosie created based on her daughter um, to like be this sort of new show that's maybe like a bit more of a authentic portrayal of of teen mm-hmm. girls' life. So yeah, that's what I had. That's I like cute. that. Yeah, and I guess there's still a romance, but I didn't talk about it at all. <laughs> I really cared more about fixing the showmans. The, sh- the, the show- showmans. The showmans. Yeah. In my fix, it's staying a comedy, but I want to start floating in more satirical elements. Um, so, off of this idea about how it's like it's weird that no one reacts to the like the power imbalance and just like how like kind of almost inherently not okay that relationship is, even though it's two people who are so charming and hot, you want them to be together. There's an uh, episode of BoJack Horseman in which. Uh, guns get outlawed, but only because uh, there's a feminist gun movement and men are so freaked out at the idea of women arming themselves Mm -hmm. that they make quick political action to (laughs) outlaw guns in America. I want to do a similar satirical story in which uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is like just watching these many women getting cast and couched. She doesn't necessarily feel... She's not necessarily cast and couching Paul Rudd in this case, but I want it to be... She has this relationship with him. It's not casting couch, but it is inappropriate. She gets caught, and then all of these executives who have already done this shit, the idea that a woman could also do that is so frightening to them that they create the actual swift and social movement <laughs> to like create meaningful like change on the front of like sexual harassment in the workplace. Yeah. And that it is only because it never occurred to men that women could do that in exactly the same way that they were doing. And that in fact, it was not cool when they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel like, especially within it being a satire, you can get away with some of these people being a little broad because they are just supposed to be more representative of like an yeah. archetype or you a thing. You feel like burnt after reading works like that. Yeah. Exactly. The trail of the CIA guy being like, oh. And I, exactly. And I actually kind of feel like that tone that's in parts of this movie already, and I think Amy Hackerling would probably have a good time operating completely within that tone, and then it does allow her to do some of these more kind of wackier things, like, 
I still don't want Tracy Ullman's Mother Nature in here, but something like that is maybe less garish in a more like, you know, we're, we're sending right. it up right. yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of deal. So I hadn't really thought, I guess, of a specific story, but I really just like this idea of, in her mind, yeah, it was like inappropriate, but like I wasn't doing anything bad. And it just like explodes into this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would is it your story. like would it like come back at the guys later on, like unexpectedly? Would it start as like I would want it to witch hunt this woman who did it? That the thing that uh, Harvey Weinstein's done for years. right. <laughs> um, and then like eventually maybe the guys that got her in trouble get in trouble too. Right. Yeah. I would love for that to happen. But it could be like a yeah, you can use a lot of different ways you can take. You could have like a the world burns ending where like all, all everyone fails, like and it's just like the universally like well actually everyone sucks. Right. And, uh, this is where we're at. There are different. I mean, because I would be. I feel like there's there's almost equal value in the ending where it's like no 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 justice comes to those men. Yeah. I think we have kind of done this. Um, this time I tried to I especially tried to do it, but we talked about um. Saying things that worked for us. Saying the good thing. The good thing. Yeah, the good real, thing. Want to do a quick good thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like our moment of good. Moment of good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's Rudd and Pfeiffer for me. It's, it is. Yeah. The, the chemistry is a couple. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple montages that really worked for me. The, yeah. the makeover montage works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the scene of him dancing in the club really is very works. charming. Yeah. The makeover. The, the montage of them dating is really. Cute. Yeah. I think even if I have issues with like I don't quite get why they're sticking together as a couple in a very solid way. I do think they have good chemistry with each other. Yeah. I, I, do. I don't understand how they got attracted to like right oh, right like i don't understand anything beyond the initial attraction yes. but like they sell that attraction yes it does it is weird we don't really see them being a couple very there's much. really well there's really not like a meet cute it's really like i see you i'm horny uh, yeah right like it's so, immediately like fuck me yeah. there's no like we're just hanging out it's always yeah. like we're but, about to fuck after but you're event. deviating from the topic at hand we're making out on the thing that's right yeah. um i would say yeah red and pfeiffer work for me uh very close second place is Sersha? Sersha. Uh, pfeiffer and yeah. i think yeah i think universally yeah. we agree uh the best things about this movie are those three people right yeah yeah, yeah uh, together if not the writing of their characters yeah. all times would we recommend this movie no that's a hard. I note. would. I have. I have done it. I recommended it to Faith. I did it. Yeah. No. It, it, it's it's strictly a no for me because this is so not the movie that I thought it was going to be going yeah. into it. You know, this is just like this movie differs so loudly from what I believed it to be that I can't. And you know, that's yeah. that's partly on me. I'm not going to say it's not. But like, I, I will can't say it. it's harder to recommend uh, with the additional context now. Oh yeah, that's also yeah. so. It is harder now, but yeah. I have yeah. recommended it in the past. Um, I had I did choose to watch it more than once, which is I cannot say for a lot of these movies, even the ones I've recommended. I mean, I like. Like this movie. I do like it still on its own terms. Terms, right? Yeah, outside of divorced right. from the broader outside context. context. Um, I think it's doing enough of a different thing. I would recommend it, but overall, it's more like interesting than like yeah, successful. I, w- I wouldn't recommend it to someone who doesn't have the nuance to see the bad things in it. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Like I wouldn't sure. recommend it to you know a pleb who would yeah. understand <laughs> how bad of a parody of Hollywood this is. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I I would recommend it. So it's a it's a two yeses and a no. It's a, some hesitant yeses and and, and a strong no. <laughs> strong no. <laughs> Um, that's it. That's it. That's Man, it, y'all. Uh, do the socials. Uh, Facebook.com slash Podcast is Facebook. You can like us on there. Uh, DraftPack.com is our website, which has all of our episodes and some other stuff on there as well. You can subscribe and follow us and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Yeah. Guys, come back at us in two weeks. Yep, it's episode. 2022. I don't say come at us anymore. Yep. Come through. Come through. <laughs> We're not calling you out. We're calling in you in. In two weeks, come through. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Bye. 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 So hot. 
must be 98 for December. That's not so great. While the North Pole is turning to slush on my TV, there's President Bush. <laughs> it isn't he moronic? Don't you think? Incredibly moronic. And yes, I really do think he's a pain. <laughs> 